Welcome to the Northern Community Legal Centre podcast. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners on the lands on which this podcast was recorded, the Wurundjeri people, and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Fines are being issued to people who just like don't have the ability to access that information. That was Cassandra Mead, the community lawyer from our COVID clinic. We will hear from later in the episode. I am Morgan Wright. I'm the Mental Health Support Coordinator at Northern Community Legal Centre. In this episode, we will be discussing the most significant post-World War II event, COVID-19. We will hear from economist Roger Wilkins and community lawyer Cassandra Mead, both offering unique experiences and understandings of COVID-19's impact on Victorians. COVID-19 and the government's response to COVID has impacted all Australians, but some more than others. To better understand economic well-being pre- and post-COVID in Australia, I spoke with economist Roger Wilkins. My name's Roger Wilkins. I'm a professorial fellow at the Melbourne Institute of Applied Economic and Social Research at the University of Melbourne. Uh, My research areas are income inequality, poverty and socioeconomic disadvantage and the operation of labour markets. So the the Household Income and Labour Dynamics in Australia survey is Australia's nationally representative longitudinal household study. Uh, So what that means is that uh, we interview the same people every year. So we started in 2001 with 13,969 respondents from right across Australia and we've been going back to them every year since to ask them a, a range of aspects of life in Australia, including their their employment, their incomes, their health and well-being, um, and a range of other aspects of, of life uh, in a, in Australia. Uh, we uh, um, that is a, our, I guess our, our distinguishing feature is that. Um, because we are going back to the same people every year, we really get a moving picture of people's lives and how they evolve over time, which is something you don't get from any other survey in Australia that's that certainly that's, that's representative of the Australian population. You know, how do we measure in the Household Income and Labor Dynamics in Australia survey how, uh, how satisfied people are or how happy people are? Um, what we've been doing every year is simply asking them yeah, uh, a, a range of questions about about their satisfaction with uh, various aspects of their life, but also just their life overall. And uh, and it's simply that, that people are asked to report on a scale of zero to ten, where zero means completely dissatisfied and ten means completely satisfied. Um, how satisfied overall they are with their with their lives, and it's an it's an amazingly powerful uh, um, measure. Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's been used internationally. In, in many many studies, and and uh, uh, it's been shown that uh, this is a uh, is a very valid you know is a valid measure of 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 how well off people feel they they are, and uh, uh, and certainly you know, you see that 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 measure is you know, is is strongly impacted by employment, health, um, the quality of our relationships. Uh, how safe we feel and our degree of uh, social connection actually also comes out as something that's really important so how often you interact socially with people outside of your own household whether you participate in community sport or community organization these are all very strong contributors uh, to our life satisfaction and of course uh, very uh, relevant this year when uh, when when social interaction has been for much of this year uh, significantly uh, uh, reduced because of the uh, 
um, the responses, the health, the public health responses to the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Something that really comes out uh, strongly is that uh, employment uh, is extremely important to our well-being, and it's not just because of the income that that provides, although that's a really important mechanism by which employment improves your well-being, but uh, it, it's beyond that, it is associated with greater overall satisfaction with life. I think it speaks to the idea that we that we need a purpose as people, um, at least you know, amongst working age people, employment is extremely uh, important. Um, but it's also because you know, we are social beings and, uh, and so you know, having uh, employment is, uh, is, a, is a marker of um, how others uh, might regard us. We, uh, people who, there's a certain stigma, I suppose, associated with uh, not being employed. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I suppose your own self-perception or your own sense of self-worth is, uh, is, is certainly proved by, by being able to provide for yourself and, and your family. So Hilda really does bear out the, the, uh, the, the, the need for greater policy focus in that space because poor mental health is a, you know, is a very strong um, predictor of, of, uh, of, of, uh, of, of people being in uh, in, in dire circumstances, you know, the, the the people who probably most need these services also tend to have uh, less ability to pay for them, and mm-hmm. so you, this really calls for uh, government funding of these services. So bringing them, you know, in, more into the Medicare uh, system, I think, you know, with with um, is is what's really required uh, in order to. Uh, Um, the people who most need these services being able to access them. It's clear from what Roger is saying, employment, social inclusion and access to healthcare are predictors of a person's well-being. People living in Hume, Moreland and Mitchell pre-COVID were already worse off than other LGAs in the state, the most hard done by being young people and single mothers. As Roger stated, mental health is strongly linked to good well-being. Prior to COVID, the Northwest Primary Health Network data found that people in the Northwest Metro of Melbourne are less likely to access mental health services for financial and cultural reasons. In my own work as mental health support coordinator, one of the main barriers myself and the people I work with have identified are that despite the increase in government funded sessions with a therapist through the Better Access Scheme, the wait list for many bulk billing, non-gap fee psychologists would usually be two to three months at a minimum. It is not unusual for services to be booked out until April 2021. Alarmingly, Lifeline has seen an increase in calls by 30% in Victoria. And other mental health services are experiencing an influx of people requiring support. I know within the work I've undertaken at NCLC that there is a growing number of people experiencing a higher level of isolation as well as an exacerbation of existing mental health issues. Fines and unpaid debts can have a significant impact on people's well-being. As a response to this, Northern Community Legal Centre started a COVID clinic to help support people with legal issues relating to COVID, including COVID fines. Cass has been working in this clinic since it began. My name is Cassandra. I'm a community lawyer at the Northern Community Legal Centre. And I started with the Northern Community Legal Centre in September and the COVID clinic started in October. My position is specifically in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. The main fines people are coming to us with are breach of directions and usually 
I've found people are not, it's not in any way they're aware of what the restriction that they're breaching is. It's, I was wearing a mask. I was within five kilometres. I just didn't know about the curfew and that might be for any number of reasons, but it wasn't like they were aware of the restriction they were breaching. The issuing of COVID fines hasn't reflected whether or not people are actually like able to access the information about the restrictions. So um, they've like I've had at least two of that I can think of who they just like, they knew some of them, they didn't know the others, but all of their circumstances together, they just weren't aware of that restriction and they definitely wouldn't have gone out had they been aware. Um, but like that's not being taken into account. So the fines are being issued to people who just like don't have the ability to access that information. And then now are stuck with an extremely high fine that will take so long to pay off if it's put on a payment arrangement. From what Cass is saying, it is clear that the majority of people that we have been supporting with fines have had great difficulty accessing clear and concise information regarding the Chief Health Officer's directions. This could be due to language barriers, limited access to technology, or both. This issue has been compounded by the dynamic, never-changing nature of the rules and directions of the Chief Health Officer. To highlight the absurdity of some of these translation errors, Aspects of flyers distributed in Mitchellshire were translated half in Arabic, the other half of the flyer in Farsi, two different languages. It's clear that while the federal government has been effective in fining Victorians for breaching the directions of the Chief Health Officer, the federal government has not been effective, at least not initially, in educating people effectively of what those directions are. A lack of clear communication from the government not only undermines the perceived legitimacy of their advice, but also exacerbates financial stress for some of Victoria's most vulnerable. The full impact of COVID-19 on Australians is yet to be determined. At the time of recording, we are on the cusp of a potential third wave in Victoria. It is clear that COVID-19 has led to a decrease in people's overall well-being. Unfortunately, this has hit Victoria's most vulnerable the hardest by limiting their access to health and psychological services, as well as limiting employment opportunities. Thank you for listening to the NCLC podcast. If you or someone you know is experiencing legal issues and cannot afford legal representation, please contact 9310-4376. If you are currently feeling isolated and require psychological support, you can contact Beyond Blue on 1800-512-348. Or, if you're experiencing suicidal thoughts, you can contact Lifeline on 131114. A script of this episode can be found on northernclc.org.au, as well as a list of sources for facts featured in this episode. Special thanks to Professor Roger Wilkins from the University of Melbourne for being a part of our podcast.